If you're using one of these pew Bibles, it's page 1159. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made this light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Thanks, Ollie. Morning, everyone. My name's Ollie, if we haven't met. Um, Before I get into the passage, I just want to let you know about uh, one upcoming thing. Um, which is going to be on Tuesday, May 1st, here at church at 7pm, and it's called Branching Out, and it's an evangelism uh, equipping night. And we're going to get together, um, like we've been talking about today, mission, uh, get together and talk practically about what does it look like for us all to connect with people around us who don't know Jesus, so they might come to hear the gospel. Uh, It says instead of growth groups, which is sort of true, growth groups are on, they're just all meeting here on Tuesday night um, at 7pm. So the growth leaders know that, they'll let you know in the coming weeks. I know young kids and stuff, it'd be hard, but um, if one of you could come along in your family and they can let the others know about what it's all about. For what age? For, yeah, youth group could come, yeah, for sure. Youth group, kids could come too. Um, But probably youth group adults, I'd say. Um, Yep. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, sit here today, um, as we do every Sunday, uh, we know that Jesus is the Christ, the Lord and our Saviour. But Lord, we know there are so many around us um, who don't know that, so many that are lost and under your wrath. And Lord, please encourage us today to do something about that. In Jesus' name, Amen. When I was 15 years old... um, I had a scholarship with the Essendon Footy Club. Um, some of you might know, I used to play Aussie Rules. Um, and as part of that, I got to go down to the club in Melbourne and train with them. Uh, that was a dream come true for me. Um, and I just want to share with you a little bit about the first time I ever went there. Um, it was the first training session. I was in Essendon, um, in Melbourne. I'm sitting there in a room like this. Um, all the players were there, you know, Matthew Lloyd, James Hurd, um, those kind of guys. It was a dream come true. But at the same time, I was so intimidated. Um, I was freaked out. The first reason was because when I'd walked in the room, I'd gone and sat in a seat in the middle. I wanted to look keen, look like I was there for all the right reasons. But I'd sat in the captain's seat, Matthew Lloyd's seat. uh, (laughs) And no one had told me. They were all snickering, saying, oh, look at this. So Matthew Lloyd comes in, and I'm sitting there, and he sort of walks up to me and 
says, mate, that's my seat. So I scatter off to the corner. Um, from then I learnt my lesson that whenever I come in, I sit in the furthest seat away. Um, and for that month I was there, I was intimidated. I was like a little mouse. I was trailing around all the players, going to training and doing this and that. But I didn't want to get in the way. I didn't want to speak up. Um, I didn't want to disrupt the norm in the footy club. I was intimidated. And when we feel intimidated, wherever it might be in life, when we feel out of place, when we feel that no one really cares what we think, um, we end up just trying to blend into the background, not wanting to say anything, not wanting to disrupt, disrupt what normally goes on. And talking about Jesus in Australia, in Launceston, um, can be much the same as that. Uh, it's intimidating. God and faith, they're not common topics um, of conversation for probably our friends and our family who aren't Christian. So to bring that up, to speak about what you believe, um, it feels like crossing over into a territory um, that we're really not meant to go to. And when we do cross that line, when we do talk about Jesus, uh, we often, we get shot down straight away, um, or we come up against some big barriers that we can't really get through, or we might even just kind of get a blank stare and no real response. Doing evangelism in Australia, talking about Jesus, um, someone said it's like ploughing concrete. It's hard and slow work. And the result of that is that we as Christians, uh, we can give up on doing this. We can lose heart about speaking about Jesus and the good news. Uh, And we might have been keen about it at some point in our life, um, but that was some point, and these days, it doesn't happen a lot. Um, We might really want to share the gospel, but we're actually scared um, about what people might say or how to go about it. What do I say? What do I, how do I do it? It's a safe bet to say that all of us have probably lost heart in evangelism at some point in our lives. Um, I definitely have. I work at the uni um, with a Christian group doing evangelism, um, but some days I go there thinking, what's the point? Is anyone really going to believe and be changed and become a Christian? We've been doing the survey series uh, lately, and we've got the survey series coming up. So today I wanted to look at this passage in 2 Corinthians um, to see what Paul says about why we don't give up speaking about Jesus, even when it's intimidating. I want to look at the message that we're called to share and also what that message isn't. Um, And I want to encourage us by God's Word, saying that when we do share that message, um, there is great power that God gives us through His Spirit. Please um, open up uh, your Bible or your phone, chuck it on flight mode, then you won't get a text, um, and follow along with me as we get into it. Firstly, let's look at verse 1. Paul says... Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Paul was an apostle. He was given the task by Jesus of sharing the gospel with people who don't know it. But Paul, like us, he also faced many struggles in doing that and it made him lose heart like we do. If you flick over a couple of pages back to the start of the letter in chapter 1 verse 8, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. We can read more about um, what Paul went through in the book of Acts, and he went through a lot. Um, He was in prison, he was flogged, he was beaten, people chucked stones at him, he went without sleep, uh, he didn't have food, he was thirsty... Uh, he went through a lot, and if they're not reasons to give up and lose heart on sharing the gospel, I don't really know what is. 
but it's not just those intense persecutions that Paul faced. He faced the things that we face as well here in Australia, in Launceston. He faced the intimidation to just stay silent and not rock the boat. Um, he faced the fear about not knowing what to say, not knowing how to go about it. Um, he was rejected. He was rejected by people around him as he shared with them the message that he thought was the greatest news to share. He doubted whether the gospel actually worked, whether this message that we share, does it actually change people? Does it actually bring people to God? Paul, like us, faced these things and we, like him, we can feel tempted to lose heart and to give up talking about Jesus. But why doesn't Paul give up? He doesn't give up. And we can read about all the the letters that he wrote to different churches that came about when he spoke about Jesus. Uh, Why doesn't he give up? Well, the reason is because Paul's ministry was, was, it was really good. It was a glorious ministry and it was worth suffering all of this. In chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, Paul compares the ministry that he had with the old ministry of the law. Uh, The ministry of the law, the Ten Commandments, um, God's law engraved on the stone, um, that ministry, he says, brought death because no one could stand up um, to those laws. No one could meet them perfectly. But it was still a glorious ministry because God gave the Israelites those commands. He gave them that law. It was from God. However, the new ministry that Paul has is far more glorious. It's the ministry of the gospel, the message about Jesus Christ, uh, our Lord. The old ministry was written on stone, um, but the new ministry of Jesus is written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the ministry that Paul has, the ministry that we have through him and through Christ, is the ministry to tell others about Jesus, and it allows people to see God, to behold God to have the veil lifted off their eyes, as you all have, so that they can see the living God through his son, Jesus Christ, to actually know God in a relationship. This is the ministry that Paul had, and this is amazing, that us, as sinful, broken people, if we just think about our own lives for a second, uh, we deserve nothing but hell. We deserve nothing but God's wrath for rejecting him. But we can meet God in Jesus Christ. Not in the law, not in the temple, but in the person of Jesus. We can meet him and be changed into God's image. In chapter 3, verse 18, um, he explains this. He says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who who is the Spirit. Through the gospel, through someone telling it to us, Uh, we have been unveiled to God and we are now transformed into his image more and more. That's why it's worth it. That's why it's worth doing evangelism, speaking to people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. That's why Paul starts the passage that we're looking at today with the word therefore, because it's due to the glory of the ministry that he has, um, that he's been freely given through God's mercy, that he doesn't lose heart in speaking about Jesus. I've been a Christian for about five years and during that time I've not seen hundreds of people become Christians. Uh, As I said earlier, in Australia, uh, maybe it's rare. We don't see it that often, people being transformed by the gospel and becoming Christians. But I have seen it um, a bit. I've seen few people become Christians. And really, in my mind, there is nothing more wonderful to see than to see someone who is lost to someone with no hope in life, someone that's striving after a whole bunch of things that will never fulfill them, 
come to know Jesus and be filled with him and washed clean of their sin and transformed. Maybe you have seen this um, at some point in your life. Someone, God has used you to bring them to himself. And I hope you really long to see it again. And I think what is uh, so amazing about seeing it is because it reminds us of what God has done in our life. Um, Whether you grew up as a Christian family or you became a Christian um, in youth group or whatever, however many years ago, when we see it happen again, we're reminded, wow, the gospel is powerful. It can change people. Paul didn't lose heart because he knew that God was using him for something glorious as he shared the gospel. But what is that message that Paul shared in his ministry? What do we speak about? What does the Bible call us to speak about? Well, Paul firstly tells us what the message is not and the wrong way to go about sharing it. Uh, Look with me at verse 2. He says, Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Why are we tempted to change the message? Why was Paul tempted to change the message? Why was he tempted to use shameful ways? Well, as I said earlier, as we all know sitting here as Christians, uh, it's hard. It's hard to share the gospel. Uh, It's something that is hard and we always want to do this with what's hard. We try to make it easier for ourselves. But Paul is committed to preaching the original message that Jesus gave him to preach um, and he's committed to preaching it in the way that God wants him to. Because Paul knows it's only in that original uh, message and only in the way God wants it preached that there is actually power to change people. I watched a documentary on Netflix the other day. Um, It was called Icarus and it's about the drug doping program that the Russian government um, was sponsoring uh, in the Olympics, in the Winter Olympics in Sochi. They basically just set up a secret system um, in, the, in the testing lab of how to bring in um, clean blood or urine or whatever it was um, so that they wouldn't get caught as they were doping um, with lots of their athletes. Uh, and the documentary it just goes to the lengths, it shows the lengths they went to to cover this up, um, the lies they told um, to lead people away from the truth and even the really shameful things they did by like, killing people in the government to keep it all secret. Uh, the reason they did it was because, basically, um, simply, in the Olympics before, they hadn't won that many gold medals and they wanted to win more. Uh, they hadn't got the results. And it can be the same with us um, as we share the gospel. When we aren't seeing the results, when we don't see people um, come to us and say, yes, I want to become a Christian, or we've been telling this person for so long and it's just not happening, uh, we can be tempted to change the message and to use shameful ways to get people over the line and to become a Christian. And we can see it in the world today. Some of the largest churches in the world are mega churches that preach prosperity gospel, a gospel that says God will bless you with so many things, Um, just ask him, so many material things. And many people will sign up to hear a gospel like that. The problem is it's not actually the gospel. And as Paul says here, it's a distortion of the word of God. But for us, there are subtle ways that we can be tempted to change the message. Uh, I find myself not wanting to speak about God's wrath and repentance. I find it easier to tell people about God's love, about God's forgiveness, um, about Jesus offering eternal life. Um, But when it gets down to the nitty-gritty of the wrath of God that is coming on all of us because of our rejection of God, because of our sin, 
um, and that Jesus calls us to repent of our old life, of our sin and turn to him. I find myself looking down or looking away or, or really just not saying it at all. But by not talking about those things, not talking about the truth of repentance and wrath, um, I end up just offering Jesus as a nice option or a, a bit of an extra on top of their life. They don't have to leave their old life, they can just pray a prayer and um, accept Jesus into their life as it is. But that is deceptive. As Paul says, that is not setting forth the truth plainly. And as we come to see, when we change the message, uh, we actually lose its power. Paul knows that it's not his message that is wrong or that his methods are outdated or need work. Um, The reason people reject the message of the gospel is what Paul says in verses 3 to 4. Please look at them with me. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul knows that people uh, don't accept Christ, don't accept the message that we have, because there is a veil covering over their eyes. Rico Tice, who's a British evangelist in England, he talks about it like spiritual cataracts over people's eyes, that they are blinded and cannot see the truth. And if people reject the gospel, it's because their eyes have been veiled to its truth. They cannot see, as Paul says, its light that shows Jesus' glory, who is the image of God. I went to Cambodia earlier in the year with my wife Tess and at one point we were getting a minibus from the south at the beach um, to the city, Phnom Penh, the capital. Um, And on the minibus, in the back there were six Russians, then there was me and Tess and then there was two Cambodians who were driving driving the bus. And at one point in the trip I began to realise that the Russians, they had absolutely no idea where this bus was going. I think they were trying to get to the airport but the bus was actually going to the city uh, And I knew that, Um, I knew the bus was going to the city, um, but they didn't. And they only spoke Russian, I spoke English, and the Cambodians only spoke um, Cambodian. Uh, It was was tough work, but I I tried my best for about 10 minutes to help them see where the bus was going. I spoke slowly, I used hand movements of a plane and um, the city and all this kind of thing. Um, But because I couldn't speak Russian and they couldn't speak English, it really just wasn't getting across. There was a barrier stopping them from understanding me, from seeing the truth of what I was saying. And it's the same with unbelievers, those who don't know Christ. The God of this age, Paul says, who is Satan, has blinded them so they cannot see the light of the gospel that shows that Jesus Christ is God. Now, in saying this, I'm not saying that there is no place for trying to work out how to communicate the gospel... Uh, to people in the 21st century. Um, As time goes on, people are going to be at a different point and we have to work hard at that, trying to work out how can I best communicate the gospel to people where I am in this time, in this place. Uh, And one way to do that is, you know, trying to work hard about the words that we use. Um, We use words as Christians like justification, resurrection, Christ, sin. Um, But people in Australia, they don't know what those words mean. And even if they do... It probably doesn't come from the Bible, it probably comes from somewhere else. Uh, So we should work hard at doing things like how can we explain these concepts, these ideas that are true in ways they'll understand. But even if we did things like that perfectly, even if we found the most perfect way to share the gospel, 
Paul says here that we uh, must know that unless God takes off their spiritual cataracts, they won't see the light of the gospel. They won't see that Jesus is God. And the implication of this is that if you share the gospel, you will be rejected. 100% guaranteed that there will be times when you are rejected. Paul's, uh, what Paul set out to do is to tell the truth plainly to everyone. Um, and he knew that some would believe and some wouldn't. And we have to be realistic and know that same thing. If we're not realistic about that, then we would be tempted to change the message and change the methods to get people to believe us and get over the line. Paul doesn't change the message. He doesn't change the methods. um, But what is the message that he is committed to? He he lets us in here on what it is. In verse 4, he says, But what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for your sake, for Jesus' sake, sorry. And we, we as humans, we always tend to make things about ourselves. But Paul is committed to shining the spotlight completely on Jesus. That's Paul's message, isn't it? Jesus Christ as Lord. That's the heart of the gospel. Paul proclaims that Jesus, that man who was killed, who was crucified on the cross, that he was the Christ, he was God's chosen king, that he was sent by God um, to deal with the problem that is in the world and all in our own hearts, that problem of sin, that problem of we put ourselves above God. Paul proclaims that this Christ is the Lord, that he rose as Lord, meaning that uh he's Lord whether we believe it or not, that one day every single person is going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account for what they've done with him. Have they believed in him? Have they trusted him with their life? Or have they gone and rejected him? That's the gospel. That's the heart of the gospel. Uh, That is what Paul proclaims. And as we proclaim this message, that Jesus Christ is Lord, we're offering Christ to them. We're urging them. Repent, turn away from your sin. There's a better way. This is good news. This is great news. Turn from yourself and acknowledge Jesus as Lord and bow to him and receive eternal life. And it's not just Carl who does that or me um, or Steve. All of us can proclaim this message. Wherever we are, in different ways, with different people, um, we can all proclaim it. In conversation, over coffee, uh, at lunchtime or in a cafe, With our friends at the workplace, we can do it while we're walking around City Park. That's why we run the evangelistic course and we're starting a new one um, after the survey series, Christianity Explored. Uh, That's why we run the survey series, so that people can come here and hear that message, so that you can invite people to come and hear Jesus Christ is Lord. At the university, we've been uh, inviting our friends to read one of the Gospels with them so that they can see in the gospel that God can convict them of this truth. They all know about Jesus. They all believe he was a man. They all believe he lived. They all believe he taught good things. Um, But they don't believe that he is God's son. And we invite them to read the gospel with us that God might convict them of that. One helpful way, I think, that we can proclaim this message that Jesus Christ is Lord um, in our conversations is... um, I read a book recently, it was called Intentional Evangelism. Um, Some of you might have read it, it's by a a British guy and he encourages us to take our conversations to Jesus. Um, When we're talking with people, um, we say we're a Christian, we ask them, you know, what do you believe about what life's about, about God? Um, They'll say many things, you know, people often say to me, and this is one of the examples 
um, he uses, you know, I don't really know if God exists or not. Um, I don't really think you can work it out. Now, we could try and give them a whole bunch of philosophical um, answers to that, scientific explanations of looking creation, you can, don't you just see God there? Um, I've tried that, most of the time people say, no, nah, I just see whatever it is, a mountain or an ocean or something like that. Um, what this guy says in the book is take it to Jesus. Tell them a story about him. Tell them uh, a story that shows that he is God and that God has shown himself in him. An example of this is that he gives is telling them the story of when Jesus calmed the storm. Um, when Jesus, with one word, calmed a raging storm. Uh, sharing that story with them and asking them, this is the man, um, Jesus Christ, he had the power of God to calm creation. John Stott, um, he said that the wisest Christian keeps bringing the conversation back to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Paul focuses on preaching Jesus Christ as Lord, we've seen that. Um, And that's really our role in evangelism. That's what God calls us to do. Um, But what is God's role? What is God doing in this as we speak about Jesus? Well, as we said, people's eyes are blind. And as we speak about Jesus, God opens blind eyes. We saw that Satan is blinding people to the truth. And in verse 4 it says, They cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Um, Everyone, most people believe that Jesus was a man who lived. um, But they don't believe that he is God's son in the flesh. And that's God's work. That through his power he can take away that blindness. That as we speak, that as we take people to the gospels, um, that they will see that Jesus Christ is God and shows God's glory. Satan is blinding your friends, your families, our eyes. He's blinding their hearts that they can't see the truth. But at any moment, God can come in and just obliterate that veil. He can take away that blindness. Um, He has the power to do that. And he uses our words in that as we speak about Jesus. Look at verse 6. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Paul's bringing it back to creation. He's saying that when the world was nothing, God spoke and light shone in the darkness. And in the same way where we speak about Christ in everyone around us who is in darkness and lost, God in his power can shine a great light in there to help them to see that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Saviour. This is actually really encouraging because it doesn't matter how bad we might think we are at evangelism, how uneloquent, how um, maybe even unsocial we are. We really struggle to talk with people. Um, It's not up to how good you explain the message or how clever you are or how persuasive. It's up to God's power and God can use our unpersuasive, uh, unsocial personalities, um, stuttering, stammering, whatever it is, to show people the truth about Jesus. There's a really important implication of this um, that we need to grasp. And that is that the results of evangelism then, the results of sharing the gospel are up to God. They're not up to us. us. God calls us to preach Jesus as Lord. um, And as we do that in the next four weeks, as Carl preaches Jesus Christ as Lord in the survey series, we should hold Carl to that fact. Did Carl preach Jesus Christ as Lord? 
Not how many people came or how many people became Christians did Christ Jesus as Lord get preached. If we make it about how many people get converted, about how many people I've converted in my life as a Christian or what's happening with me at the moment, then we just make it about ourselves, about us. But we're called to proclaim Jesus and leave the rest up to God. We preach Christ, God opens blind eyes. Knowing that, knowing that it's God's power at work, then as a church, we need to be committed to prayer. Uh, We can't argue someone into the kingdom of God. We need to tell clearly the message, as Paul did, um, tell plainly the truth of who Jesus is. Um, But on the other hand, we can badger God. We can't badger our friend into the kingdom, but we can plead with God and keep knocking on God's door saying, God, God, open this person's blind eyes. Show them the truth of who your son is. So, who are we praying for? Who are we praying for each morning as we wake up? Are we praying for opportunities to do this? Are we praying for that person that we see at work every day that doesn't know Jesus? Uh, I really encourage you to be praying for people regularly that God would open their eyes. As I go to meet with someone or they're coming for dinner or lunch or whatever, I pray beforehand, God, help me to speak about Jesus and open their blind eyes. This is especially true that we must be prayerful in Australia because the devil is really doing a great job here right now, isn't he? There are so many people who are not interested in Jesus, so many people who don't know the truth, who just think think he was an irrelevant man who lived however many years ago. The devil uh, does have power. The devil is blinding people. But as we have seen, um, through us speaking about Jesus, God can smash that power of the devil away and he can show them the truth. Let's be praying, God, help me to speak about Jesus and please, God, open blind eyes. We know speaking about Jesus is hard. It's really intimidating. It is. Um, People don't seem to want to hear it. They don't seem to care. But it is worth doing. People, they don't even know what they're missing out on. They don't know that Jesus will fulfill everything they're desiring, that Jesus can wipe them clean of all their shame and all their sin. Uh, And they won't know unless we tell them and unless God opens their eyes. So let's speak. Let's speak about um, Christ. Let's proclaim him as Lord and let's pray and plead with God. Please, God, open their eyes. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have opened our eyes. Thank you that you have shown us the truth, that in Jesus we see your glory, that in Jesus we can know you in a relationship, that we can be safe and secure in your arms, no matter what we've done in the past. Lord, no matter what we might do, we know we can come to you and ask for forgiveness um, and, and hold on to you through Christ. We pray, Lord, there are so many in Launceston, in King's Meadows, Lord, that have no clue about you, Father, that don't know the truth and as such they're lost, Lord, to hell unless you do an amazing work in them. And we know that you use us, Lord. You used Paul and you can use us in our weakness. Um, We might not know how, we might not know who even, Lord, but we pray, help us to speak about Jesus and proclaim him as Lord and God, through those words that we speak and the love that we show, open people's blind eyes. In his name, amen.